The Money Pit is presented by Quicken Loans. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And what are you working on this fine, wintry weekend? Of course, unless you live in Hawaii, at which point you're probably just laughing at us right now. But for the rest (laughs) of us, it's a little chilly around here. And it's the time of year we take on projects that will beautify the inside of our house because we can't work outside and we're kind of tired of the dark, cold days. We want to spruce it up. If that's a project on your to-do list, pick up the phone and give us a call right now at one eight 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 money pit because we're here to help you get those jobs done. If you need some tips, some advice, maybe you're just not confident about taking it on. You want to know if you can do it yourself or you need to hire it out. We're here to help. 888-666-3974. Hey, most homeowners know or will soon discover that keeping up with home repairs and improvements can be expensive and time-consuming and a real exercise in stress management. And that applies whether you are a do-it-yourselfer or you're hiring a pro. Such projects, however, are part of the deal when you trade out rent for a mortgage payment, right? I mean, if you get into that apartment, there's no landlord to call. So we thought we'd give you some tips for all the new homeowners listening to us today on how to deal and prepare for these eventual repairs and improvements. I mean, it really is a shock to the system. You're like, yeah, I own a house. Oh, I also have to do all of these things. <laughs> so we're going to help you with that, guys. You know, this also is the time of year when the risk of home fires is the highest. We're going to have some solutions to help you and your family stay safe. And with the wintry weather, it's a good time to plan for roof repairs or replacement that might be needed to keep your home safe and dry. But which should it be, repair or replace? Too often you call in a contractor for an estimate because you have maybe a roof leak and they always want to sell you a replacement. But it's not always necessary. We'll tell you how to know. But first, we want to help you with whatever it is you are currently working on at your money pit. Are you remodeling? Are you redecorating? Are you thinking of just sprucing some stuff up for the holiday season? Whatever it is, we are here to give you a hand. So give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. one money pit 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Steve in North Carolina, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I've got a cabin way out in the woods here in North Carolina, and I built a uh, bathroom onto it. And uh, this years ago that I've done this, we put a flat roof over the bathroom, and the seam um, leaked during the last uh, storm very, very badly. When I removed the... Uh, tiles and i used you know the pink insulation in the roof what do i do so all that has to be torn out now you mentioned it was because of a storm uh is this cabin insured do you have a homeowner's policy on this i do yes you know that storm damage should have been covered by your policy yeah if you haven't filed a claim i would definitely do that because it's probably covered now, since you had such a bad leak, obviously all that has to be taken out. So you've removed the ceiling. You have to pull out all that insulation. You need to wear appropriate breathing protection when you're doing this and try to control that area because with all of that mold, you don't want it to get into the house, right? So that's why it's yeah. kind of a job for a pro. But, I mean, if I was doing it, I would depressurize the room I'm working in so that there was good ventilation and everything was like blowing out, right? So I would make sure that um, I manage that pull out all the insulation, you're going to need to spray down all of the inside surfaces with a mold inhibitor. There's many good commercial products on the market that do that. And you're going to have to replace that roof. 
Now, uh, you said it was a flat roof. That's the least favorite type of roof, I would say, because, you know, it's, uh, it, it, if there's going to be a leak, it's going to happen a lot quicker on a flat roof than any other kind of pitched roof. But you're going to have to replace that. What kind of material did you use? Did you use roll roof on, on it? We did. And uh, see, that was, that was my mistake. Yeah. Roll roof is not designed for flat roofs. Roll roof, you got to have at least about a, about a 212 pitch for it to work right. And so, you really need to use a like a rubberized bitumen or something like that, but choose a material that's designed for flat roofs when you replace this. But I think you know what's ahead of you, Steve. You just need me to say it. <laughs> you got to tear it all out and uh, listen. If you can, uh, if you can get uh, coverage because of the storm, maybe it won't cost you as much as it might have. Okay. Okay. All right. Listen, good luck with that project, Steve. Listen, and, and before I let you go, I wish y'all would let the trailer music play. A little longer. I love your music. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much. We appreciate that. I got to put that on the website. A lot of folks love that tune. Really? Everybody loves it. You don't even know we have like additional verses to it. <laughs> oh, I want to hear the whole thing. All right. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Clara in Minneapolis, Kansas is on the line with a dryer venting question. How can we help you? Our dryer is in the basement. Is the beginning part of the problem. So when we hook it up to the vent, the vent goes straight up. How far up does it go? Well, it's probably eight foot. Okay. And then it goes vertical, I mean horizontal, um, probably about 25 feet to the back side of the house, and then that's where the exhaust comes out of the house. Mm -hmm. And we can get part of it cleaned. Is it a metal um, exhaust duct or a plastic exhaust duct? It's a metal. Okay, good. Perfect. We've got a solution for you. It's called a uh, Gardas Lint Eater, and it's a special brush that fits inside the dryer exhaust ducts, and it's on fiberglass rods. And So it's flexible. You, it's flexible. And so what you do is you start with like three foot or six foot of the fiberglass rod. You hook it up to a drill, and the drill is what spins it. You run it into the duct, pull it out a couple of times. Then you add another length of fiberglass and another length of fiberglass rod and so on. And it's the coolest thing because yeah, it's fun. you will be amazed, both, I should say, amazed and disgusted at the <laughs> amount of lint that is going to come out of your vent the first time you do it. I imagine. Just Google it, Lint Eater. Okay. Lint, E-A-T-E-R, and you'll find it. It's a really handy tool to have. Once you have one, you can you know use it a lot. You can do it from the outside. They've got other attachments that help you get in closer to the dryer and so on, but it's a, it's okay. a great product, okay? Yeah, and you know what? Okay. If you don't do it, you really need to be careful because all of that lint is sort of just building up in there, and it could be a fire hazard, so you really do have to get on this. Yeah, that's what we were concerned about. And that's actually their website, too. It's linteater.com, so check it out. Okay, that sounds great. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money pit. You know, that's such an important thing to do, Leslie, because there's a lot of fires that happen in homes mm-hmm. because of dirty dryer exhaust ducts. So it's funny, I was keep it clean. just noticing, you know, the lint buildup in my driveway again. And I was like, ah, oh, it's time. <laughs> it's time, time again. To get out there. Yep. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call. We'd love to hear whatever it is you are working on. We know this time of year is super busy. We're all gearing up to entertain for the holiday season, trying to make the house look as perfect as possible for all our visitors. So whatever it is you are working on, give us a call. We'd love to lend you a hand. We're here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, are you a former renter that now finds repairs and improvements are on your to-do list? Perhaps instead of the landlord? 
you know, if you still keep calling the landlord and you left, it's going to be like, haha, not my problem. You're on your own. Well, up next, we're going to tell you about a new survey that has surprising ways first time homeowners are handling those projects. It's all coming up after this. You live in a body Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now. We're here to help you with your home improvement projects. If you've got a project that you're trying to get done now because the holidays are here, maybe a quick fix that you need some help with, we can do that. Give us a call at one eight 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 Money Pit or post your question to the Money Pit's community page at moneypit.com. Greg in Ohio, you've got the Money Pit, and unfortunately, you've also got mice. What can we do for you? What's going on, Greg? I recently bought a home that was built in 1987. It's kind of a split-level home. Uh, and my wife was hearing a little bit of scratching in the walls, and I had taken the you know, the vents off and shot the camera down in there. And I'm like, I don't see anything. And after about a week of this little scratching, we started smelling a really bad odor. Mm. And this happened once. And we're like, oh, okay, well, the smell smells going away. And it kept happening over and over for about three months. Huh. And we finally put a camera through the wall and was right. kind of trying to find out where they were coming from. And it seems like they're coming from the attic. Right. Well, in the home, there was a um, a shower put in. And when I'm up in the crawl space, I notice that the shower is not enclosed mm. on the top. Right. You know, as it comes through. You up mean to like the, from the attic you know, down, it's not enclosed. Yeah, from mm. the okay. attic up, in the attic. Mm-hmm. And... These mice are crawling in, and they're dropping into the walls. All right, well, look, they're looking for food. Have you have you hired an exterminator yet? No, I haven't. And what I want to do is I want to see if I can seal that off. But my next problem is, is I have, in this home, I have a crawl space, and it is literally like the width of my shoulders. 
Oh, yeah. So me getting any type of boards up there is going to be a task. Right. Now, let me just stop you there for a second. When you say crawl space, are you talking about the space below the floor or above the ceiling? No, no, no. No, above the ceiling because it's really not like a... This is like a flat roof or a very low slope roof? Uh, yeah, it's probably about a 612. Listen, Greg, let me let me say something. I, I think I understand you're trying to find all the places mice can get in and steal them, but the truth is you really can't because they only need this space, you know, about the width of a nickel or a quarter to squeeze in. And just because you found those big gaps doesn't mean that there's not going to find another way into your house. So I would recommend really focusing on kind of a total control solution where you have a combination of baits and traps, for example, that uh, are accessible to the rodents and they're just looking for food and they'll feed on them and then they'll go outside and die. Um, if they're falling, I, I think there's, they're just scampering around looking for that food. They often like to burrow in insulation too, which is sometimes why you see them in the attic. But you could also go up in that attic, even though it's really small, and you can toss bait packets up there so that they get in all different corners of the attic if you can't physically get there. Uh, if you have pets, you can use a device called a bait station uh, down on the lower level where the bait is inside a container that only the mice can get in, but the pets can't. And then beyond that, you want to make sure that uh, you're eliminating any easy sources of food for the pets, like any, like, like, for example, dog food's a big one. A lot of folks will store those big bags of dog food in the garage or in the pantry and the mice will chew right through that and have a smorgasbord. So, you know, that sort of thing, fixing up any small holes that you find around the foundation perimeter, eliminating nesting sites like firewood piled against walls and things like that. You know, those are the ways that you reduce the propensity for mice to get in. I've got a, a post on moneypit.com about how to do that if you, uh, go in there and search how to get rid of mice. I'm sure it'll pop up, but that's what I would focus on because I don't think you're physically going to be able to seal up all these holes that you're describing because access is difficult. And even if you did, I think they'll just find another way to get in there. Yeah, I was just, you know, I'm, any attic that I usually go up in usually has like, a, you know, plywood floor right. or, you know, your, or your joist jumping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm not always. I mean, I mean, I was a home inspector for 20 years. Sometimes you just can't get up in there. there. There's not enough room to move around. I got an attic in my house over the first story section, which was, uh, that's the new addition. It was built in 1901. So it gives you an idea how old my house is. And I can't physically get in there. And so when we did uh, some insulation work uh, a, a couple of years back, we tore off the roof from the outside and I applied spray foam insulation. I shot down from the exterior across the ceiling and then put the attic back together, basically working from the outside. So sometimes you have to get creative with how you work in spaces like that. Yeah, that, 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 I'll bet that worked out nice. Yeah, it did. It was the first time that, uh, that first floor section had ever been, you know, close to the same temperature as the rest of the house. Yeah, well, we have the same problem. I mean, 1987 home. <laughs> The upstairs is not, you know, it's, I just don't know. It just doesn't seem like, you know, it gets what it needs to get. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that can play into that. Insulation is certainly one of them. But I hope that uh, gives you some direction on uh, on the way to try to get these mice under control. Okay, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, according to a new study done by Nerd Wallet, most new homeowners are completely unprepared to cover repair costs. of those who have purchased a home experience their first unexpected repair within the first year after closing. 
But what makes it worse is that about three in 10 say they don't have the money set aside for those repairs and improvements. Yeah, and it turns out only half of homeowners who have done a home repair or improvement project over the past two years were easily able to pay for the majority of them. However, for the rest, sacrifices had to be made, debt was created, savings were spent. I mean, that's not really a great way to sort of dive into homeownership, but a lot of people just aren't prepared. Yeah, and here's one thing that I found really interesting. The study also found that overconfidence may be driving the do-it-yourself culture. Eight in 10 homeowners say pros charge too much for labor and materials, so no surprise there, especially since most new homeowners don't really have a good idea of what repairs cost. But three-quarters say that there is a wide variety of resources available to them that contain enough information so they could do every single one of the repairs or improvement projects themselves if they wanted to. I think that that's a little overconfident, (laughs) especially if you're getting into maybe electrical and plumbing projects and things like that. But, you know, we are living in a YouTube generation. And I guess if you could find a video on it, you think you can get it done. But just, you know, that doesn't make you a pro. I watched the video. I can totally do it. Work within your comfort zone. Don't far exceed it just because you see a couple of folks doing it online. You know, a lot of those videos, too. Remember, there's a lot of production behind that. So while it looks like it's done pretty easily, not so much. I mean, Leslie, you know, you'd spend, what, three days doing a makeover show and for a half hour of TV? Uh, we boil it down to 42 minutes. So it's like you really have to think that there's a lot more that goes on that you're just not seeing. There's more steps. There's more background. There's more learning about the correct process to something and also making sure you're safe. You know, we make sure that we do things safely. We just don't always show all those aspects of it in these home makeover shows. So you've got to work within your comfort zone. Don't try something that's dangerous. And it doesn't hurt to ask a pro for help. I mean, you can attempt something, watch the guy do the project, try it later down the road. Just make sure you're working within what you can actually do. 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now. We'd, We'd love to help you out with your home improvement project. Shawnee in North Carolina needs some help with a backyard problem. What's going on at your money pit? On my roof, when it would rain, all the water would drain toward the back because it's on the downslope. Right. And then I had some a contractor come in and connect all of my downspouts and all to this black pipe, and they connected all of it and ran it out to one source toward the end you know, of that little creek. And in doing so, I mean, everything was fine. It worked fine. And they thought where I was having such water problem, they sort of made a horseshoe out of the black pipe with the styrofoam, you know, peanuts and all of that in it. But what they did when they dug around the horseshoe area, they found that that was dry because they figured if it was wet, it would drain and take care of the problem. But when they put that horseshoe in it, wherever they put it, it was completely dry and it was further down that they realized that I had underground spring. So all of my drain pipes, everything's draining perfectly, but it's one little problem I had with that underground spring. But is that underground spring rising up to the point where the yard is flooding? And how much how much flooding are we talking about here? Uh, it's not necessarily flooding, but it it's stays just wet. wet. I can't mow it. And there's a place about... Uh, I'm going to say 12 inches square, squarish maybe, that is has puddled. I don't think this is a problem worth solving. I think it's a fairly small area of the yard, and, and areas of the yard that get soft like that, yeah, the grass can be hard to cut sometimes. Sometimes you have to cut it by hand instead of using a, a you know power mower on it. But I don't think it's worth 
you do anything about it, you would have to do some major, major work to try to uh, take the water that's collecting there and run it downstream and have it sit somewhere else. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a big issue. All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Well, now that the heating season is here, it's also the time of year when the risk of home fires is at its highest. We're going to tell you how to avoid the top cause of home fires after this. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now with your home improvement project at 1 888 Money Pit, 888 So, Leslie, I was, uh, I get these emails from Quora. Did you ever go on that website? No. Q O R A. And folks will post questions that they want answers to. And now that I've answered a bunch there, I get like these personal questions that say, you know, through through the site, they say, this one's aimed at you, Tom. And somebody asked me the other day um, what the difference was between a matte finish and an eggshell finish and where you would use one or the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, an eggshell finish is, is probably the lowest level of sheen you can possibly get. And I think the only difference like between, it. yeah, between matte and, and eggshell is eggshell is probably a little more cleanable. I feel like eggshell, it's you try to wipe a little bit on it and it does something to that finish and it kind of changes how it looks, though it's my favorite. It's not the best in certain locations. Okay. So you're saying it's not that cleanable? Eggshell's not that cleanable? Ugh, no way. If it's going to be in a space like a kitchen or a bath or something with kids that really needs a lot of attention and probably will be wiped or cleaned quite a bit, 
I don't ever go eggshell only because I feel like anytime I take um, a damp sponge or a magic eraser or something, it sort of changes the finish in that spot because that eggshell really does give you that eggshell appearance, yeah. just like you see on an egg. And it really changes it. So I prefer if it's really got to be cleanable, I go matte all the way. So matte is not the same as flat. Uh, I feel like it's interchangeable. Although yeah. Companies will have both. Yeah, I always felt that eggshell was a little more cleanable because it had a little more of a surface to it than the flat or the matte. But it all comes down, most importantly, the quality of the paint. Mm-hmm. If you use good Absolutely. quality paint, most paints are cleanable. You know, more sheen is going to be easier to clean. But if it's a good quality paint, that's really the key. And the reason you might choose one over another is also you have to consider reflection because if uh, you have, say, a ceiling fixture, right, and it's casting light out across that ceiling, if there's any imperfections in that ceiling and has a bit of a sheen to it, you'll see every defect there. You'll see the nail pops, the cracks, the lousy spackle work. It'll just show up. But if you use a real flat finish, it kind of disappears. So those are some of the reasons and some of the thoughts that go behind choosing one finish over another. Well, the wood-burning fireplace delivers a natural heat, a beautiful crackling glow that you really can't replace. But while that warm glow may feel good, they're actually not really very efficient and are a lot of work to feed and maintain. That's right. A better option might be to take that old wood-burning fireplace and upgrade it with an insert. This old house plumbing and heating contractor, Richard Trothui, is here to explain. Hey, Richard. Hey, guys. So what exactly is a fireplace insert? You know, an insert is basically a fireproof box that's surrounded by steel or cast iron and then fronted by insulated glass. It creates a closed combustion system. The steel or cast iron helps to trap the heat. And some inserts actually have a blower that pushes the hot air back into the room through front vents. So does that improve the efficiency over a standard fireplace? Absolutely. You know, most people don't realize that regular wood fireplaces actually do very, very little to heat up a room. In fact, they typically pull warm air from inside the house and send it right up the chimney. You know, you sit in front of that fire, and for the first little bit, you're getting plenty of heat. Mm -hmm. Right. But as soon as that draft is going up that chimney... All of a sudden, you realize that, wait a minute, I'm pulling more air out of that building because I've increased that uplift in the chimney than I'm ever getting out of the fireplace. Right. Another problem is pollutants, asthma, or allergy sufferers may have respiratory issues when you have a wood-burning fireplace. And wood-burning fireplaces also send a lot of air pollution into the atmosphere because you can't really control how much air is mixed with how much uh Fuel And you're burning all kinds of different fuel, and, and there's all mm-hmm. kinds of off-gassing That's occurring right. as right. a result of that process. Right. And then don't forget, you can also cause home fires. I mean, there's uh, plenty of stories about houses that have gone, you know, you build up creosote inside that chimney, build it up, build it up, build it up, and now, after a while, you can have a fire inside that chimney. So now, Richard, when it comes to a gas fireplace insert, I mean, obviously, there has to be a lot of mechanics, if you will, installed to your existing wood-burning fireplace to make this function with a gas burning insert. Yeah, it's not as complicated as you'd think. I mean, it's a unit that slides right into the opening, you know, that standard opening that you see on the fireplace where it used to have the wood, the grates for the wood, and then it seals tight. And now what you have to do is you have to find a way to get air from outside into the combustion area. Now, that's done a couple of different ways. One would be to cut a hole and drill up through the floor to bring some air from outside right into the bottom of the firebox. But most often with the gas units, it's actually a pipe within a pipe. So up inside the existing chimney, you fish a six-inch pipe and then a four-inch pipe inside it or five and three, depending on how big the fireplace is. And now the exhaust products go up through the smaller inner pipe. 
and then the combustion air is pulled in down through the outer larger pipe. Mm -hmm. And that really means that when you turn it on, you're getting every bit of the air from outside, you're getting a perfect exhaust to outside, and then all the heat you make that's available actually comes into the building. Not all the heat. Some heat goes out in the flue products, but most of the heat you make is actually going into the building as usable heat. But what about the gas line? Well, gas line has to be run, certainly. Uh, with, with modern, flexible gas supply lines, uh, it's a lot easier than it used to be. It used to be you had to cut uh, plain steel and thread each piece or uh, assemble it that way. So it's a lot easier to do it, but you do have to run a gas line. So there certainly are different types of inserts than we just talked about gas. There's also a plain wood-burning insert. Would that, if you just use a wood-burning insert inside of a wood-burning fireplace, does it make that fireplace more efficient? Absolutely. I, I, I don't want to overlook those because, you know, people still love a wood fire. The way that that flame comes off the, fire, the wood and the way it crackles, it's mesmerizing. But what you can do is if you do the wood fire, uh, the wood insert, now you get all the best of both worlds. You get the wood fire, you get the air from outside, but you don't lose that heat up the chimney. So you can leave that fire and let it run down and not worry about the entire house emptying out of its Will heat. Will it utilize the existing flue or do you have to vent it differently? No, it could use, utilize the existing flue because you're going to go there. With that case, Leslie, you have to make sure that you find a way to get air for combustion to come in. So you generally have to drill or find some hole in the bottom of the fire hearth. You have to find a way to have a duct to go down and then to outside so air can come in and Pull stay inside that sealed, yeah, sealed space. Yes. Now, in speaking of efficiency, what about pellet inserts? I mean, there are pellet stoves. Yeah. Uh, they also have pellet inserts. Right. Are pellets they? are the rage. Pellets are a fabulous uh, future source because we've got plenty of sawdust. We've got plenty of wood chips and byproducts. And, you know, and that's what a pellet is? Yeah. It's basically ground you know, up sawdust? Our, our franchise is based up here in New England, so we've got Maine and New Hampshire filled with woods. I mean, we've got plenty of forest uh, where there's, there's an issue with what to do with this byproduct. And pellets are, you know, people that have them love them. And they're not, they don't have the same look as a wood fire. But their efficiency, the fact that you can meter also your fuel use, meaning you can put it in. When you light up a fire with five logs, you've got to wait for those five logs to burn down. With pellets, what they like so much is two things. One is you can meter it so beautifully. And the other is how little ash you have from a, from a pellet. So when you say meter it, you mean the speed with which you sort of feed the pellets in, Correct. right? Right. You know, you we you always have that issue when you have a wood fire. Do I put another two logs on, or am I going to am I going to bed within an hour? Right. Or, you right. Know, with with a, with a pellet stove, it's really like having a solid version of oil or gas where you can put in just what you need, and then as soon as you stop feeding it, it will die down ever so slightly in a much more controlled way. Sounds like it's almost like having a thermostat. You know, That's the, right. The faster right. you feed it, the hotter it's right. going to get. There's a lot of potential on the horizon with this use of sort of wood byproducts to yeah, to and burn a lot renewable. of people. We were getting calls for a while from like the Montana area about people using pellet stoves as their primary yeah, heat source. Yeah, yeah. There's an interesting group up in Maine and New Hampshire that really has the, the dream to have a delivery method to houses just like in the old days. The Iceman came and the, the oil guy came that, that have a chute on the side of your house and you would come and the pellets would be dumped right in. And then and, and really, if you mm-hmm. don't have to travel that material too far, it actually has some real potential. Now, let's talk finally about chimney cleaning and cleaning these vents. Has it become more complicated because now you've kind of blocked off the front of the fireplace? Yeah, I mean, they generally these fireplace inserts can disconnect pretty straightforward. I mean, you know, just as it, when it assembled pretty easily, you can break it apart and pull it out. Yeah, but you the don't want to be doing that every time you to clean no, it. I, I know that, but the, the gas ones don't need a lot of cleaning. So the gas fireplaces, it's only when you have wood products, and particularly with conventional wood where the creosote is rich, 
the pellet fire is much cleaner. You don't have as much creosote, so your, your need to clean the chimney is reduced uh, slightly. Well, great advice. Richard Trithui, the plumbing and heating contractor on TV's This Old House. I think a lot of folks are going to be looking at these inserts this coming winter season. Thank you so much for stopping by the money. Insert fire here. (laughs) (laughs) Catch the current season of This Old House and ask This Old House on PBS. For local listings and step-by-step videos of many common home improvement projects, visit thisoldhouse.com. And Ask This Old House is brought to you on PBS by Gorilla Glue. Well, now that we are in the roughest weather season of the year, it's a good time to plan for roof repairs or replacement that might be needed to be done to keep your home nice and dry. But which should it be, repair or replace? We'll have the answer in today's Building with Confidence tip presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans after this. The Money Pit is presented by Caseta by Lutron Smart Lighting Control. You can set your lights to come on at dusk so your family always comes back to a well-lit home. Caseta by Lutron. Welcome home to peace of mind. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What project are you working on right now? Maybe you're working on getting your house in order for the holidays ahead. If there's a repair involved or a decor project, give us a call right now. Or if you're planning a project for the new year, we'd love to chat about that. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Ruth in Michigan on the line. How can we help you today? I have an older house that's in need of some pizzazz and wanted to put shutters over my vinyl siding. Is that possible, and how would I attach them? Yeah, it's done all the time, and there are special fasteners that are used in that situation so that you pierce the siding uh, without causing a leak to happen. And most of the shutter companies will sell those as part of the shutter, too. So you certainly can do that. You do want to be careful not to squish the siding, because remember, the siding is, is somewhat soft. And so as long as you're careful about the way they attach, you certainly can have uh, shutters on top of vinyl. Okay, Ruth? All right. Well, good. I was um, wondering if it could be a do-it-yourself project. Absolutely. Ruth, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, now that we are in the roughest weather season of the year, it's a good time to plan for roof repairs or replacement that might be needed to be done to keep your home nice and dry. But which should it be, repair or replace? We're going to tell you what you need to know to make that determination in today's Building with Confidence tip presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Yeah, you know, first of all, you've got to evaluate the wear and tear. You know, roof shingles are generally cotton or glass fiber, and then that's covered with an asphalt coating. Now, as the sun heats the roof, the asphalt is going to dry out. So you've got to check your roof for signs of wear and tear. You want to be looking for cracked or curled or even broken shingles. Now, if you've got a worn section and maybe it's just limited to a small area, you can repair it. But if the entire roof is looking this way, you really have to start thinking about replacing. That's right. Now, next, it's important to understand layers. If you do need to replace your roof, you can usually add one additional layer of shingles for a total of two layers. Now, doing a tear-off, though, is not such a bad idea, even if you only have one layer down, because second roof layers do not cool well in the summer, and they wear out much quicker than the single-layer roofs will. That's right. Now, if your roof is leaking, you've got to check the flashing, as that could be the only cause of your leak. Now, if that flashing is loose or deteriorated, it's probably responsible for most of those roof leaks. So you really have to check that out, because that's not a terrible fix. Now, lastly, if you do need a new roof, make sure you improve your roof ventilation at the same time, because cool attics 
will help keep the roof cooler and the cool roofs are going to last a lot longer. Now, passive vents, those that don't use any energy, are really better than active vents like attic fans, for example. One of the best is a continuous ridge and soffit vent system. These vents are inexpensive and they can usually be added to a house of any age. And today's Building with Confidence tip has been brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. It's completely online, reduces annoying and time-consuming paperwork, and gives you a real, accurate, and personalized mortgage solution based on your unique financial situation with no hidden fees or hassles. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Thinking about purchasing a home from another era? Well, it's actually possible to predict what might need work based only on the home's age. We're going to share those tips after this. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question online to our community page at moneypit.com. You can also reach out to us through Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Hey, uh, Bill did just that, and Bill's got a question about a home that's built in the 80s, Leslie. That's right. Now, Bill writes, he's from New York, by the way, we're looking to purchase a home built in the mid-1980s. What are the biggest changes in construction and building codes from the 80s to today? And are there any drawbacks to houses built around this time? Well, I'm going to say the glass brick and all the rounded corners are probably Yeah, that was pretty common back then. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think no matter when you buy a house, every, say, decade or a couple of decades, those homes have their own characteristics of what can possibly go wrong. In fact, we've got a story on our website that's called Home Repairs by Age of House. And basically, it sort of lays out everything that would usually go wrong with a house based on its age, you know, starting with the early 1900s with some of the plumbing that we used to see, you know, up to really till today. But for the 1980s, I feel like that was an era where, you know, the economy was pretty good and homes were going together pretty quickly and pretty sloppily at the same time. So I'm concerned about the workmanship of that era. But also think about the core systems like heating and cooling. You know, if the house was built, let's say it was built in 1980, right? And now it's almost 40 years old. It really needs to be on its second heating system. And that, you know, should be only be halfway through the second system. You know, if you've got an original system in that case, that's really old. Obviously, you're probably going to be on your second or maybe even your third roof by then. So the best way to understand the condition of that home before you buy it is to get a home inspection. I would recommend that you contact the American Society of Home Inspectors at ASHI.org, A-S-H-I.org. They have a website where you can uh, do a zip code lookup to find certified inspectors in your area. They're really the best in the country. Schedule that inspection. I think you'll be amazed at how much detail those inspectors can discover about that home in, in a two- or three-hour inspection period. And then you'll know exactly what you're getting yourself involved with there, Bill. All right, next up, we've got one here from David in North Carolina. Now, David writes, I had a leak in my kitchen skylight that's since been fixed. However, the track lighting under the skylight stopped working a few days after the leak. I bought a new power source supply and installed it, but the lighting still isn't working. What should I do, and can I do it myself with basic DIY skills? Well, the thing is, when electrical um, circuits and devices and appliances like lighting, when they get wet you really should not 
use them any further. So I would definitely recommend completely removing that old track lighting and putting in some new lighting. You know, the lighting today has gotten so much better. Most of it's LED, low voltage lighting. It's really energy efficient. It's a lot cooler. So you're not trying to cool against that in the summer. It doesn't add to the heat load um, of the house. And I would not mess with, you know, just replacing different parts. Now, whether you can do it yourself or not, uh, you've done some of this work, so I'm going to presume that you know how to turn off the circuit and confirm that it's off before you start taking apart your wiring. But, you know, rewiring a, a track light is a pretty simple project. You're not pretty much just disconnecting the old one and installing a new one. So I think that's what I would do. I would take it out and completely replace it. It's really the best way to go. And you know what, David? There's so many great options for the lighting fixtures themselves to be used within track light that the options are really endless and you can go with any style. So this really is a great choice if you're looking for something versatile and practical at the same time. So good luck with that. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Hey, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We hope we've given you a few tips and ideas on projects that you'd like to get done around your home. If you've got questions, remember you can reach out to us 24-7 at 888 Money Pit or post your questions on our community page at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Hey!